Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Are you suffering from skin that's just not clear? Acne, breakouts, blemishes, and you've tried everything? I know that my practice, my patients, and the number one thing they ask about is clogged pores, acne, and breakouts. And it seems like they've tried every product out there. I would like to introduce you to BioClarity. BioClarity is this cool new product with a new ingredient that is not found in any products out there on the market. It combines chlorophyll, which is the green ingredient in plants, with copper, and it actually helps reduce blemishes with less irritation and redness than almost every other product out there. In fact, they have clinical studies which in 80% of people saw an improved appearance with their skin, and 80% of those people people had that improved appearance with less irritation and less redness. So if you have issues with breakouts and everything you're using at this point is really causing irritation or redness or it's just not working, maybe you're allergic to some of the ingredients out there. Try BioClarity. Today for my listeners, we're going to offer an amazing offer for you. Get your first month for only $9.95. All you have to do is go to bioclarity.com and type in the code GLAMMIR, and you are going to get your first month for over $20 savings at $9.95. And guess what else? It also comes with a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. You can use all of it, and if it doesn't work for you, you can get your money back. So what are you waiting for? You can have that clearer-looking skin today. All you have to do is go to bioclarity.com, type in GLAMMIR, your first month for only $9.95 with a 100% money-back guarantee if you don't like it for any reason. Welcome to Glammere. Hi, I'm Dr. Tabitha Mir, and you are joining me for Glammere. I am a cosmetic dermatologist here to uplift, inspire, educate, and talk about all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glammere. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Glammere, and we are talking all things Ryan Lochte today, from losing his sponsorship to the crazy controversy in Rio, and we're going to have Ken Unger, who's the president of the National Sports Marketing Agency, Charge, and he's also the author of the book, Ahead of the Game, What Every Athlete Needs to Know About Sports Business. Welcome, Ken. Thank you. Um, this is a pretty timely topic with what's going on. It absolutely is. You know, athletes are thrust into the limelight pretty quickly based on their performance on the track, but no one teaches them what to do off the field. Now, you are, um, you know, the founder and president of the National Sports Marketing Agency, Charge. Could you just let everyone know what it is that you do and how um, this relates to your knowledge about what's going on here with Ryan? Sure. We help athletes, teams, and leagues make the most out of their business involvement in sports and entertainment. So we're often involved in marketing and media relations and crisis management and a variety of things involving athletes. And I bet you are extremely busy with the crisis management part. Yeah, when a crisis comes around, it makes us pretty busy. 
<laughs> so I want to like kind of start from the beginning, right? Because this started with a phone call to his mother where he kind of lied or exaggerated the story to his mother. Did it not start that way? Yeah, it started with that. It ended up um, being a, a testimony at a police station. And then before you know it, it is all over the international media. Do you think he was exaggerating to his mother and didn't expect her to kind of come out the way she did publicly on what happened? I don't quite know what he was intending, but certainly, you know, the first rule when these things happen, and certainly we advise athletes to not let these things happen at all. But when they do, the first rule of thumb is tell the truth, tell it completely, and not exaggerate at all. You know, and it's funny because, you know, I, I've talked, so many people are talking about this right now. He told his mother, and his mother kind of was the one that released it to the press. Um, do you think that he could have handled it much differently when he was approached after it leaked? Because he went on to, some people call it exaggerate, some people call it lie with his interview with Billy Bush. Yeah, you know, he should have told the truth from the start because once you start with one exaggeration, you just get caught up and up and up. And this is kind of case in point how it could really snowball into something awful. And it certainly did. So had he just right from the start, from that first phone call, said what really happened, we'd be talking about, you know, some young adult who did something really silly and destroying some property around a gas station, not someone who caused an international incident about over-exaggeration. You know, what's funny, I was watching his interview when he was talking with Billy Bush, and you know, I called BS on that because there was something he said that I just didn't believe. Um, when he described the gun being pointed to his forehead and then he refused to get on his knees and said whatever, um, I'm sorry, a gun pointed at me in a foreign country. I don't think anyone would behave that way. Yeah, I think a lot of people said that was a pretty calm reaction to having a gun pointed at you and that even somebody who's calm, cool, and collected couldn't quite be that calm. <laughs> so, yeah, and so, you know, essentially, he also, I mean, everything everything about this was handled incorrectly, and I'd like to see how you would have handled it um, after we go through the timeline in case some people uh, missed it. You know, he basically fled Brazil before the authorities were able to question him. Correct. It's, you know, piece by piece, his story began to unravel. And, you know, the stakes were really high. He, he told a story that really put Rio and the country of Brazil in a bad light. And this was after having spent billions of dollars on the Olympic Games and having all the issues that happened just before and during the Games about other athletes being robbed and the the, the sanitary conditions and a variety of different things that didn't put the country in the best light. You know, here he comes telling a story which was broadcast on international media that really hurt, you know, another stab at the country. Yeah. So as this story began to unravel, uh, as, a, as a judge discovered that the story didn't add up and the police were kind of investigating that the story didn't uh, add up, you know, the, the city of Rio and the country of Brazil had a vested interest in making the truth come out. And yeah. so poor Ryan Lochte was was going to be the victim of all this. But well, it was something that he created. It, you know, I, it's very interesting because I've definitely talked about this, too. Rio already had this dilemma before anyone ever got there of the crime and is it safe and almost every breath of the Olympics coverage there was some sort of safety um, connotation to it and for him to leave the Olympics with this huge accusation is a huge scar on Brazil it's a it's a stain on their reputation 
So absolutely. They, so they had a vested interest to to dissect this and make sure it was a, a you know actual factual. There, there's no doubt, and you know they spent billions of dollars on the Olympic Games, and you know really a country's interest in hosting the Olympic Games is for the PR value. Exactly. So, yeah, so I never thought about he, that. He's undercutting the very value that they had in in hosting the Olympic Games. So. Uh, not only did they have an interest in investigating, but even the headlines as we speak today, they are not letting it go. In fact, they've now requested that he return to Brazil for further testimony. How realistic do you think that is? Can they really make him return? No, you know, that all of a sudden now, um, this incident involving, you know, a gas station and a drunken night out has mm-hmm. now turned into an international incident. Uh, I'm sure the country of Brazil will try to have him extradited from the U.S. And the question is, will the U.S. force him to return to Brazil? But can they extradite for something that's not a felony? This isn't a felony. This is just a, I mean, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, you know, I'm not familiar enough yeah. with, the, with yeah. the laws of Brazil yeah. to understand. But, you know, he he did destroy property. He did make a false police report. You know, all of these things in this country would be, you know, serious things. Now, let's talk about how you would have handled this from the beginning because i'm not sure who's handling him right now do you know who who's doing his crisis management or who's taking care of him right now because i i I don't know who it is but you can tell that he had immediate counsel because all of a sudden his hair color turned yeah uh yeah from green to brown yeah exactly so that and that was all done as part of a process to make him more sympathetic um, but I don't know who's doing it. But you know, to a certain extent, when you do crisis management, you have to you have to take the facts as you find them, not mm-hmm. the way you wish they were. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly, the first thing is when this occurred would be to tell the truth, right? Um, and that you know, the drip, drip, drip of a lie or the drip, drip, drip of a complete story as it comes out mm-hmm. is what's going to hurt you far more than the, the truth of what you actually did. So, you know, this might not have been the fault of his crisis manager. This might have been his fault. It could have been the lack of a manager in the beginning, because I kind of feel like the the call to his mother, his mother reaching out to the media, him doing an interview with Billy Bush, I feel like all of that was done without any kind of crisis management, I think. Right. Exactly. And, and what, we, what we tell our athletes that they should prepare for things like this ahead of time, meaning... They should know how to handle a crisis before a crisis occurs. And had he had the right preparation, he would have known that no matter what happened to him on his night out, that the most important thing for him to do was to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And do not shade it, do not exaggerate, but tell the truth and tell the whole truth, whether it's to your your mom or to the media or to to your manager. It's if a bad thing happens, tell the truth, because when you're in the limelight, like Ryan Lochte is mm-hmm. in the limelight, mm-hmm. this will come out. It is a certainty that this will come out. You're under the microscope, and people are going to dissect every word you say. And, uh, you know, uh, do you think, okay, he's an Olympic athlete. He's not, you know, like a professional football player. I would imagine somebody who is, and this is my opinion, you can correct me, that the Olympic athletes are a little less in tune with crisis management um, than like a like a professional celebrity sports athlete would be. Maybe he never had that training or that guidance. No, I think that they're all relatively familiar with it. And the reason is, is because 
there are a number of crises involving professional athletes that that regularly make the news, and this is true of entertainers as well, so it's certainly not something isolated to sports. Mm-hmm. But whether it's what happened to Tiger Woods or Maria Sharapova mm-hmm. or Lance Armstrong mm-hmm. or even Michael Phelps back in 2008, right. um, an Olympic athlete is just as aware that crises happen as an NFL athlete. Mm-hmm. The, qu- the question is, does the USOC, and in this case USA Swimming, um, do they have the same ability and have they taken the same steps to train their athletes about crisis management that, say, the NFL and NFL teams have done uh, with NFL athletes, for example? Gotcha. So you think that he just kind of went off on his own in the beginning. And suppose you're a crisis management coming in at the time after the Billy Bush interview. What would you have done then? Because somebody told him to get out of Brazil. Yeah, you know, at, at that point, you know, when an athlete has a crisis like this, the most important thing that they can do is is activate the crisis team. Mm-hmm. So it's usually not just one person. It usually involves an attorney, mm-hmm. especially in, in a case like this. You know that there's some legal issues involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, it involves a PR counselor, and usually it involves their manager or their agent. So between those three groups or those three people, you have coordination of a strategy to do two things. So one, to safeguard the athlete's person, right, to ensure mm-hmm. they're not arrested, yeah. Yeah. to ensure that they're not harmed in any physical way, and to ensure that their liability is minimized. But you also have, you know, from a PR perspective and a management perspective, you have to contain the damage. Exactly. Uh, because you have endorsement relationships, which he ended up losing, all of them, but you have those relationships to protect. So you have to really activate your team immediately and you know apparently he was counseled to leave the country as soon as he could and he did and he sure did he got out of there as fast but his teammates were left behind so what does this do you know with the the camaraderie the you have your teammates who you're on the same swim team at the olympics you get out of town you're the culprit the the perpetrator of this entire mess and you leave the country and your teammates are left behind what does that do like is there like an Olympic committee that takes care of this sort of uh, thing, or is this each person individually taking care of their own crisis? Yeah, it's pretty much, you know, there there is crisis management capability at the national governing body and mm-hmm. at the USOC level. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it wasn't really a crisis involving the organization. Mm-hmm. It was a crisis involving the individual swimmer and, and, his, and his colleagues. So it, it, it turned out to be pretty much every man for himself. Yeah, that's what it felt like because his colleagues completely, you know, I guess threw him under the bus. They, they said not only is he lying, he's the reason this whole thing happened and we were never um, a part of it. So that didn't make right. him look better. Exactly. And so, you know, he kind of had the worst of all the worlds because they didn't even hang together in terms of the story after the fact. Um, when, when it was clear that they were left behind, they had to do what's in their best interest to not be detained in Brazil. Exactly. It was not, uh, this was ugly at every level. And another thing that we advise athletes is the, the more you have, the more you have to lose. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, of this, it is every person is naturally inclined to when they're off duty to relax and enjoy themselves in some way. And there, you know, there are opportunities to get in trouble everywhere you look. So, you know, athletes have to really be cognizant of, you know, if they go out and drink, how much they drink, where they're drinking, their circumstances. 
um, not getting in fights, not getting, you know, not destroying property, all these things. He was just being really, an idiot, you know, um, yeah. just all around. There are two other kind of Olympic Olympians that had a little bit of controversy, and I kind of want to talk about how different they are. Like, you had Hope Solo, who called her opposing team cowards, and she got a six-month suspension for that. You had Michael Phelps, not during any Olympic Games, but, you know, while it was the off-season, he had been arrested by a DUI. Didn't he get a DUI a couple times? He got arrested for that. What's the difference between um, the three? Because they're all very different, but, you know, Hope Solo already got suspended for saying that. Ryan Lockie hasn't gotten anything. So... How do you, yeah, how those, do you yeah, that, explain that? Yeah, how do you differentiate? Mm-hmm. And, and that's a great question. And usually there's a kind of hierarchy of, of bad things that, uh, that a national governing body or mm-hmm. another organization will tolerate. Mm-hmm. And, and really the worst on that list is things involving ethics or morality. Mm-hmm. And so the closer that that comes to an ethical or moral issue, the, the more severe the punishment I would expect that the punishment for Lochte in this case would be pretty severe. I mean, the IOC and uh, the USOC and USA Swimming have yet to indicate anything in terms of punishment. And I believe that they're waiting for all of these things, these facts to play out. Yeah, like what are they waiting for? Are they waiting for the investigation to complete itself so that they have all of the details? Yeah, I think that's part of it, because remember, if they ban him from swimming, they're depriving him of his livelihood, which mm-hmm. is a pretty serious sanction. Yeah. Could so, they do a temporary suspension um, instead they, of a lifetime ban? They they certainly could. You know, usually these uh, national governing bodies have, have pretty um, wide-ranging authority, and they certainly can do that. But what they don't want to do is get the facts wrong. Mm-hmm. So they wait. In this case, they know that the city of Rio, the country of Brazil, is engaged in its investigation. And there really isn't much of a problem in them waiting until uh, the country and the city have concluded their investigation. So once those facts are done and the, the, the dust has settled, so to speak, I would expect uh, the USOC and USA Swimming to take some action against Lochte, much the way that U.S. soccer did uh, in the Hope Solo case. Well, it's it's interesting, the Hope Solo case. I'm not quite sure I agree with that because she was mad. I mean, I would definitely accuse her of being a sore loser. But how how is that worth six months suspension? Can you explain why um, her saying that? Yeah, I, the six-month suspension part, I don't know necessarily if I would agree, although mm-hmm. I would agree that some sanction was probably merited mm-hmm. because the, the sanctioning bo- these sanctioning bodies have a vested interest in maintaining professionalism and decorum and sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. They are kind of key tenants of athletic competition at this level. Gotcha. So they encourage their athletes to maintain that standard. And when it's violated in such a public way mm-hmm. and, and so inappropriately, they have to do something in order to protect their standards. So I, I can't say that it was worth a six-month suspension, but after she did it, it was almost certain they would do something. Do you think a six-month suspension right after the Olympic Games is really that big of a deal for her? Is she really going to be doing anything these next six, six months that would make or break her career otherwise? 
Yeah, it, that's hard to tell. You know, she's involved in the, the Women's Professional Soccer League. Mm-hmm. She's doing a variety of other things. So I don't know necessarily if the six-month suspension will really impact her career. But what it does do is it sends a message, especially to companies that, that may be interested in an endorsement relationship with yeah. her, mm-hmm. that she might be a risky proposition. Yeah, absolutely it does. Speaking of companies, uh, immediately afterwards, you know, I think uh, he Ryan lost essentially all four of his major sponsors within a couple days. Is that surprising? It was not surprising at the speed of it. No? It was Because this, remember, we talked about the hierarchy of, mm-hmm. of bad actions. Ethics and morality rise to the top. So it was pretty clear that he had lied about the initial um, incident that happened. Mm-hmm. And it was so public. It was, it was the international media uh, reporting it. And it cuts to the reputation of a country and a city. Yeah, it's a and, and these are countries. You know, Brazil is important to a variety of different companies, multinational companies that do business in Brazil. And so, with something this public and this bad, uh, I fully expected when I first learned of what happened with everybody else mm-hmm. that these companies would would cut Lochte off pretty quickly. And 24 hours later. He had lost about a half million dollars in endorsement revenue. Poof, gone. Yeah, done. It's just interesting how fast sponsors will react to this, but the governing body of you know each individual place, the Olympics, Rio, is taking a little longer to make a decision on his punishment. Yeah, and I think the difference is, is that you know companies are providing him with money to be a brand ambassador and he's immediately harming them mm-hmm. so they're going to take they have to take action really quickly to stem the harm because the longer that they hang with him the longer that they're impliedly saying to their customers that we tolerate this kind of behavior yeah, so they have to cut it off quickly they have to do that quickly the the, the governing bodies on the other hand they are taking his livelihood away mm-hmm. so they're going to move more cautiously than the brands would because the, the, the harm to the brand is immediate. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the governing bodies are, you know, act appropriately that when they take someone's livelihood away, they're going to make darn sure that, that there's, you know, a properly litigated reason for doing it. How many of you ladies out there borrow your boyfriend's T-shirt because it's so comfortable? Or how many of you women out there have boyfriends that have t-shirts that are awful and they need an upgrade. Mack Weldon, it's better than whatever you're wearing right now. Smart, premium fabrics, really soft t-shirts and underwear for men. It will be probably, it's probably going to be the most comfortable underwear, socks, hoodies that you will ever wear. And I don't know about you, but I love a soft hoodie and I love men's hoodies that are soft. They also have this amazing line of silver underwear. And for those of you that don't know, silver is naturally antimicrobial, which means it can eliminate the bacteria that causes odor, which you do the math. Why wouldn't you want silver in your underwear? Not only does Mack Weldon's clothing, their underwear, their socks, their shirts look good. They perform amazing. This is the kind of stuff that if you're going to work out and you're going out after or you just want to go out on a casual date or for everyday life, this is the brand for you. Soft, premium, 
just they feel great against your skin and who doesn't love putting on a cozy pair of socks or a cozy t-shirt or a cozy hoodie that's made from great fabrics um, my listeners now will get 20% off if they go to macweldon.com and use promo code glam so jump online check it out look at all of their smart designs their premium ultra luxe fabrics and shop simple go online get 20% off everything on their site with my promo code GLAM. Again, MacWeldon.com, and you'll get 20% off. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glam Mirror with Dr. Taba Samir. And I want to talk about the comeback because, you know, with Michael Phelps, I mean, he came back. He came back amazing. He kind of went through a really terrible time where he was in rehab and, you know, got arrested for a DUI. Um, and then he comes back and, and America forgives, the world forgives. And he's on this amazing stage as this brand new person. Um, you think um, Ryan's going to do this? And if so, what would you suggest for him to do? You make a great point yeah. because that that is the issue is that especially in this country Americans are very forgiving mm-hmm. and if you show real contrition yeah and and if time goes by to demonstrate that that contrition is authentic mm-hmm. there's a high likelihood that people will forgive you and that that active contrition though has to be commensurate with the bad act that you did mm-hmm. so the worst thing the worst act that you commit the the more that contrition has to make sense so he's going to have to prove with some action that he regrets lying and and that's going to be very difficult for him because you know lying especially he's not he's not a you know teenager he's yeah. 32 years old right you know, he's an adult who should who should know better than that and so it's going to take a real active uh, contrition for people to forgive him and a lot of time so in Phelps case you know whether it's DUI or addictive behavior or things like that mm-hmm. Well, you know, those are not good things. Uh, you know, Phelps stood up to them. Mm-hmm. He admitted he had an issue. He got help for it. Um, he got, you know, he he uh, became a dad. He's raising a family now. He's showing responsibility for his life and the life of others. So people, people are very forgiving. And so uh, this is a different Michael Phelps will forgive him. It's interesting because um, I don't think that Ryan has shown that, you know, his, his post-interview the one he did where he, uh, I think it was Matt Lauer recently, and he just didn't come across sincere. Uh, he misspoke a bunch of words. I think of saying antics. He said tactics or tantics or something like that. He just doesn't seem like he's in that space right now where he's truly sorry. What do you, you know, what's your opinion? What would you advise somebody like this? Maybe take yeah, time it, out. It, it, the, the rule of thumb in this is that when you do, when you do a bad act, it's either I did it mm-hmm. or I didn't do it. Or I did it, and I'll do it again. Yeah, <laughs> so right. He, he didn't really do any of those three. He, instead of saying I lied, and I shouldn't have lied, uh, or 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 something that's super clear and super easy to understand, he was saying I over exaggerated, and it was a little bit convoluted, and it looked a little bit rehearsed. Mm-hmm. So it it didn't really hit the mark in terms of. I'm coming completely clean, and we don't need to talk about this anymore because I'm going to tell you everything straight. I'm going to tell you everything now, and I'm also going to tell you why I lied before. 
Yeah. He didn't he didn't really do any of that. It just seemed extremely premature and forced and I'm not sure. Obviously whoever was advising him was advising him to to come, you know, be sorry, make sure it seems authentic and it just seemed at this point he wasn't ready to let go of the fact that he's he was he claims he was robbed. He said he was at gunpoint and he's not letting that fact go. Um and he's using that to gain sympathy and I don't think that's going to work. No, it's you know, people are very smart. They, when they hear stories like that, everybody judges it with their life experience, and it has to be true and it has to ring true. And unfortunately, you know, he had the first thing he had to overcome was he was getting in front of Matt Lauer to say, "Listen, I wasn't truthful before, mm-hmm. and now, but now you have to believe me. Now I'm being truthful. That's a hard thing yeah. to do. Yeah. And when you do it, you you better nail it in terms of." you know, seeming to be completely authentic, completely real, and to be very plausible in your description of why you lied before. How do you think he can come back from this? Like, what would you kind of guide him to do next? You know, it's the, right now what has to happen is the, uh, the, all the legal issues have to run themselves out. They have to run their course. He has to really come to a place where he doesn't fear liability in Brazil. There aren't charges pending. There aren't. Any, there isn't anything that kind of, from a legal perspective, can jeopardize his freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's number so, one. Yeah, so that's number one. Then in, he's lost his sponsor relationships. He's unlikely to ever get those back again. But if he wants to be in the public limelight, he has to, you know, figure out what this act of contrition is to demonstrate how sorry he is and how he's dedicated his life to overcoming, you know, this obstacle that life put in his way. And if he doesn't do that, um, then I think that we, we may have heard of the last of Ryan Lochte, you know, in terms of from a celebrity perspective. Uh, he'll, I'm sure he'll have a nice life and he'll find a, a very productive, good thing to do with his life, but it probably won't be swimming at the competitive Olympic level anymore. You don't think that, um, do you think as it stands right now, he, he will be um, banned? or? I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the facts and I don't yeah. know enough about what other penalties have been meted out to, to Olympic athletes that, that have done similar things to know if he'll have if there'll be a lifetime ban. Mm-hmm. But what I do expect is there will be a penalty very severe because especially national governing bodies that send athletes off for international competition can never afford to have um, incidents like this. No, this is a bad one. So they have to send a message that if these things occur, this is the this is the severe penalty that'll be meted out as a result of it. So. I don't expect that he'll get off easy. I think that between the IOC, the USOC, and USA Swimming, I expect a pretty severe sanction from this. And we haven't even seen the last of legal liability in Brazil. Now, I have a question. If, if somebody is sanctioned or banned or whatever, suspended, can they still train? Um, or, is, you know, like, what do they do if they know that they're going to be banned? Say he's given a year ban or whatever the case may be, but it's in enough time to, to be able to do the Olympics uh, next time around. Can he still serve out a year ban if that happens and still train under, like, some kind of stealth mode while he's getting ready? Like, how does that work? Yeah, that really depends on the sport, and it really depends on the circumstances of the athlete. So this is one of the things that's complicating Ryan Lochte's situation, most likely, is when he loses his endorsement revenue, mm-hmm. 
he probably loses a significant source of income for him that helps him live while he trains. Yeah. So that source of revenue is gone. So the question is how reliant he is on it. And I really don't know the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. The other is the type of stipend he gets while he's training for, you know, Olympic or international competition. We don't know if, if that income is going away as well. Then, the, then, you know, the question is, he's 32 years old. Mm-hmm. What does he feel his future is? Will he train for Tokyo? Uh, will he continue to, to want to swim, or does he feel he can be competitive in swimming in international competition? So he may not choose to, to train during a ban. He might choose to retire. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to tell. It's really That's why this sanction is going to be so important, and it's really going to spell the, the you know, the course of the rest of his career, right? which again goes back to athletes knowing how to handle crisis ahead of time, athletes not putting themselves in positions like this that they need to extricate themselves from. There's, there's so many lessons for athletes, whether they're in college, heading to the pros, or in the Olympic movement, about the boundaries of behavior and how being a role model is so critical to your career, not only how you do in the swimming pool, Mm-hmm. but how you do out of the swimming pool as well. You know, it's interesting. I just read this morning that he was, um, or he is, going to be on Dancing with the Stars. So <laughs> that's like, I don't know if that's the best comeback, but that's going to give him some money there. Yeah, you know, he'll, you know, obviously there'll be revenue attached to that. I, uh, I'm i interested in his motivation for doing that. It, with, with all these things pending, it probably isn't best to stay in the limelight mm-hmm. because... Once, while you're in the limelight, you continue to be a target, and mm-hmm. you continue to be a source of, of media interest. And you can and like, can you continue to, you know, the whole act of contrition and coming back. You can't really do that if you stay um, public, like, all like that. Correct. And there's nothing involving Dancing with the Stars that really will help him reform his character or help people no. believe that he's changed his character. The only thing that it will help people really do is... It's demonstrate his athleticism and demonstrate that he has dancing ability, which really is not really relevant no. to his situation. No, it could it could be a really bad thing for him. If he had come yeah. off without this incident, he could have been fine. But who knows? It is going to be an interesting thing to follow because um, it was such a just a terrible, horrible mistake on every level. A lie that just went out of control and this super talented uh, career could just be down the tubes. We'll see. He's got a lot to think about coming up. Yeah, there's no question that, you know, he'll be thinking about woulda, shoulda, coulda. Mm-hmm. But, again, uh, if anything if anything positive comes from this, it's that his example could, could serve to help others not um, find themselves in a similar fate. Exactly. No one wants to do the same thing. Is this sort of the, the reason of your, you know, the, the motivation behind your book, Ahead of the Game? Because um, you kind of specialize it. This is what you talk about in your book. Yeah, this was exactly our motivation uh, when we wrote it, because there is no resource for athletes or celebrities in preparing for this. You know, they spend their whole career getting ready to be the best swimmer, to be the best NFL athlete, or to be the best actor or actress, and no one really teaches them. There's no course, there's um, there's no teacher for them to know before they get there what, what they're going to expect, how to talk to the media, how to deal with crisis how to promote yourself, how to uh, negotiate endorsement or sponsorship. People are just thrown into this, uh, often ill-prepared, as, as the lucky case mm-hmm. kind of, kind yeah. of points out. 
But so we wanted to create a book that was a resource that, you know, we wrote it for, you know, anyone from a teenager to someone in their early 20s can read it and absorb it and learn from it mm-hmm. uh, because because this, this book is an easily obtained resource. You don't have to find a teacher. You don't have to be taught it. All you got to do is read the book and at least know what questions to ask. You know, I kind of feel like anyone who's um, thinking about any kind of a career in the public eye would benefit from this sort of book, not just an athlete itself, but, you know, just somebody even, you know, within your industry, if you're a public, to be able to read this book. Absolutely. We just, in fact, in our office today, we were talking to a prospective client who's in the entertainment field, Mm -hmm. and she was talking about the very same things, how to put together a business team, how to hire an agent, how to get media training, how to create their first website, all of these things. So it really isn't just isolated to sports. And in fact, um, what we're finding is that there are a number of executives in business who are also interested in this area about how to build their brand, you know, how to how to promote their career and how to be known for something in business that will help them in their career. So it has we find it has applicability across a number of different industries. Definitely. And it's it's sort of about crisis management. And we all kind of go through that at some point in our life. And it may not be as public as, as others, but it's kind of a good way to understand how to handle it in any business, I think. Yeah, if you don't come across a crisis in your life, you haven't lived. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't done anything, right? <laughs> you haven't done anything. <laughs> That's true. Where can people find your book? So if they go to www.chargegf.com, and go to resources, they will find a link to buy ahead of the game. Fab. I think it sounds amazing. And, you know, you have an incredibly colorful, um, interesting career with what you do. And this is timely to be talking to you about this. This is really everybody's watching right now. Yeah, it's it's really a very interesting area. And, and our agency, we're really lucky to work in it. We love what we do and we love helping athletes and celebrities. So, um you know, whether it's Ryan Lochte or anyone else, we wish them luck, but we help our clients not not have a similar fate. Exactly. Well, just like, um, you know, death and taxes, I'm sure there will be another celebrity slash athlete crisis management issue, and we'd love to have you back on for that. Oh, thank you, Dr. Mira. Pre- really appreciate it. You got it. And thanks so much. We're going to put a link to your website on our, um, our social media and such. But um, it was really great speaking to you, and we'll love to have you back on soon. Great speaking to you. Take care. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.